Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 67. And today we want to recap the recent satellite event in Salt Lake City, Utah, and have an interview with Rob, also known as Cobra Prime. Hello, Rob. Hi, how's it going? Hey, doing well. Thank you very much for being on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time, and congratulations on winning the event. That's super awesome. Thanks, and thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, before we get into that, we'd like to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Mo Games. Mythics Online Emporium is an online supplier for Infinity and other tabletop games, if that's your jam, uh, which you can find at mo-games.com. And so as part of their sponsorship for our show, they give all of our patrons a 10% discount code, which you can find uh, that code on our patron page. We have that tagged for your convenience. And we also get a coupon code every month. So there's a $40 coupon raffle that we do every month for anyone who's part of our Discord, whether you're a patron or not. So feel free to join that. Be entered to win that raffle, because what's better than games? Mo games. So uh, today we also have Ian on the show with us, and all uh, Azoka, Ian, and I were all able to make it to SLS. And while uh, Azoka isn't able to make it for today's episode, uh, our next episode we'll kind of talk about our experiences at SLS as well. But for today, we're going to focus on Rob and how things went there. So, Rob, for those that aren't familiar um why don't you introduce yourself a little bit kind of talk about your experience with the game uh, i know that you're heavily involved in the infinity tournament circuit but you know for those that aren't as familiar sure um my name's rob paul i'm from the the maryland i'm from maryland so the um the mid-atlantic infinity travel team as we're called by uh, our little local meta out here um and there's there's a few of us who try and travel around to a bunch of the different uh, different events in the area, um, but the the Mid Atlantic meta is is full of some really strong players, and it's kind of like a, a shark tank. As soon as you start playing in this in this meta, you you, you get good pretty fast. <laughs> so um, right, uh, there's a lot of competition, uh, but it's also it's really nice because there's always the opportunity to get a good game in. Um, I've been around Infinity for a while um, since um, the original Human Sphere came out, so I, I didn't play any N2, <laughs> um, and I wasn't around for the very beginning of N3, but I've been playing through most of N3, and of course N4. Um, I've uh, I've run a I've won several big tournaments. I've run one uh, Rumble once. I've run the, won the Baltimore Ball Brawl twice. Um, I've on the Krug, um, I'm trying to remember. I, I I think the best I did at Interplanetaria was eighth, but that's pretty good. Uh, I'm hoping to do yeah. better this year, so we'll see. Um, right, right. So yeah, so yeah. I've done all right. Right, definitely. Yeah. So I know that um, for anyone who does kind of uh, involve themselves in the uh, U.S. circuits. Uh, I'm sure they they know who you are, and I don't even participate too terribly much. But actually, I think I was one of your opponents the year you won the Krug when you were out this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I have, a, 
I have a hard time remembering even the last few games <laughs> I've played, but um, I I remember that that Krug was a really good time. So. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so for SLS, uh, this is actually the second satellite event that you've won this season. Is that right? Yeah, I won the Baltimore Brawl right at the beginning of the season, um, mm-hmm. which was in October, November. I think it was November. Um, the first week of November, and that's you know 15 minutes from my house, so at my local game store. Um, but uh, that that was, um, yeah, that was also a satellite event, and I managed to win it this year. So uh, fortunately, cool. um, number two, the guy who came in second place, um, uh, will get the satellite entry for um, the showdown, and uh, he said that he's planning on heading to Spain on it. So I'm glad to hear that. That was. Tony? Tony uh, Santos? Is T-Pain, that right? Yep. T- Tony, yeah. yeah. T-Pain. Nice. Mr. Muscles. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So, uh, you were playing Aleph at uh, Showdown, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was playing Vanilla Aleph. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and uh, we got to play at the Krug last year, uh, but we didn't cross paths at uh, Showdown this year, so I wasn't entirely sure. But um, you want to go over um, why did you pick Vanilla Aleph? Uh, what was kind of the, the thought process there? Did you bounce down the idea of doing other factions before settling on Aleph? So, honestly, it's kind of awkward. But the, the reason that I chose Vanilla Aleph was because this was really sort of, for me, it was a practice event for Interplanetario. And okay. I know it sounds it sounds strange to say that you know a satellite tournament is a practice event for another another tournament, but um, a lot of the missions are very similar. And mm-hmm. um, uh, what I decided to do a couple of months ago was just play either Vanilla Aleph or um, Steel Phalanx because I haven't decided yet which one mm-hmm. I want to take to Interplanetario um, to play those factions in preparation for what I eventually want to take to Interplanetario. Um, and the, I mean, Vanilla Aleph is so flexible that it's really, you know, something that can be molded to fit any set of missions. Um, but in general, when I go about preparing for a tournament, I'll, you know, I'll take the the mission set and I'll try and break it down into um, what sorts of goals I need to accomplish for those missions. Uh, in this case, uh, I put, um, capture and protect and unmasking into one bucket, and I put firefight and decapitation into a second bucket, and then um, what was the fifth mission? The uh, countermeasures could could go yep. you know whichever one I ended up having more specialists in, um, because capture and protect and unmasking both required um, highly mobile, um, not necessarily specialists for capture and protect, but um, you know, in models that were highly mobile could move across the the board, and protective elements that could either you know protect the uh, HVT and unmasking or protect the console in capture and protect. Right. So mm-hmm. both of those Absolutely. things were important for that mission set. So I ended up taking you know looking at things like Uteros, who's a very uh, quick moving piece, uh, and Penicillia. Penicillia. I don't even know how to pronounce her name, but yeah. you know the Amazon on a bike. Um, you know, she can cross the board in two orders, grab the, the little doodad and 
back across the board another two orders to keep it into the deployment zone right uh, or she could zip over and push all three buttons in three orders um, so those are sort of the the centerpieces around which I, I built the the capture and protect and the unmasking list uh, I considered just taking Achilles and just running him across the board and not really caring who was looking at the at the units and just you know shooting them to death but um, I've been trying to to spread out my play a little bit and move away mm-hmm. from the you know the crutch of playing Achilles um, so I wanted to try something else and Uteros really kind of works as a discount Achilles so I went with him instead yeah and then for a and firefight you can take both of them right for yeah, about the cost yeah, of Achilles mean, almost yeah yeah exactly I I think I took um Atalanta and Uteros for the cost of Achilles um, so yeah, it, it's, um, you, you can get a lot for Achilles, right? I mean, he does a lot and he can be an army all by himself, but you know, if he goes down, that's, that's a real key, you know, chunk of your army that's mm-hmm. gone. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. um, what was I saying? Oh, for firefight and decapitation, um, yep. you know, it, they both focus on killing the Lieutenant and keeping your Lieutenant safe. So, and they're both, uh, points-based missions, so you want to make sure that you have enough resilient units to stay alive at the end of the game, and units that can trade up by, you know, going off and, and doing death missions to kill opponents' models that are worth more than they are. So uh, I chose Hector as the the stable backline, hard-to-kill lieutenant for that mission. Um, uh, put some Daikinis in as some cheap um, trading pieces, uh, put Andromeda in as a as a strong first strike unit, and um, had an Ectromoy drop troop to do some work in the back line. Okay. Yeah, definitely, you know, in those missions, particularly decapitation where everybody knows mm-hmm. <laughs> they, yeah. they can be really dug in. So you, you just have to. Like, sometimes it's just not going to be reasonable to march something across the table to get a lieutenant yep. and so you need some other sort of reach or some other tool so now, definitely makes ironically sense i ended up not actually using um, my decapitation list for the decapitation um round at salt lake uh, i saw the the way the table was laid out and there was a really great tower for atalanta to sit on and control um control the board and and uh, you know a couple of really tall buildings that I could put my uh, my arrow pieces on and I ended up taking the other uh, the other list and using um, Penisleia and Uteros to do my work instead and kept uh, kept Machion as my lieutenant safe mm-hmm. um, in the back line instead so nice. I ended up only using that you know that uh, um, firefight and decapitation list for uh, firefight and I used my other list for everything else so okay. I think I need to get more practice with Hector <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah it's definitely interesting um, to see like, the span of tables at events like I, I don't tend to travel a lot myself but sometimes like like this is not going to have the tools I need for this table Honestly, yeah. I think that's the best yeah. part of traveling to different events, mm-hmm. and especially big events where people bring out their best tables, right? So you get to see absolutely. so many different cool tables. Yeah, absolutely. There were a lot of wonderful tables. I, I know um, 
Ethan's Sonic Table was featured and is amazing, and he put a ton of work into it, and it looks great. But there were a, that's the a one lot with of the really glowing good blue goo on it, right? Yes. Yep, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, I got to play the, on that table in round two. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's been so showing off his uh, work on that on our Discord for the last like year, and <laughs> it just it just keeps getting more grand and more grand, and then he finally had the f- completed table. Uh, which I unfortunately did not get to play on, but everybody that we've talked to that played on it said it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I got to play on it, and it was, in fact, fantastic. It was really great. Very nice. Uh, so one thing that I want to um, ask, though, and you know, talk about is kind of the, the consistency of play, uh, because over the last several years, uh, you've been very consistently in the top kind of five players in the u.s uh taking down a lot of events uh, i was actually just looking and uh currently right now you're ranked number one in the u.s and number three in the world in the its rankings um Good to hear. yeah <laughs> so uh but you know how does your approach kind of lead like that to that consistency of play uh because something that i think comes up is a lot of people talk about like the randomness of the game because of the with dice and things like that, but you see the same group of players kind of consistently in the top five or the top ten year after year after year. Um, so, like, how do you kind of account for that level of uh, consistent play in how you're approaching the game? Uh, honestly, I think it's about decision making. So, like. There's definitely a lot of randomness, and I have definitely lost games because the dice just did not go my way. Um, and there are certainly some things about Infinity that I would like to fix um, to sort of mitigate that randomness a bit more, right? Because I think things... So Infinity is a very tactically dense game, right? And there are a lot of strategic considerations mm-hmm. that go into list building and um, you know, m- mission preparation to make plans before the mission set right but the tactical decision making is really where infinity shines being able to make decisions every second of the game because every time you spend an order you're making decisions every time your opponent spends an order you're making decisions so consistently making the best possible decisions is what's going to win you games consistently right um being able to judge when to take conflicts when to avoid conflicts when to hide your pieces so that you can't get shot uh when to let your opponent go ahead and take objectives so that you can take them back later or to just you know make it a not worthwhile trade for your opponent to try and take an objective those are all Mm -hmm. of the little decisions that add up over time into uh, victories and i guess to um to maintaining a, a high ranking and so if you like obviously decision making is very important but if you have a player who is aspiring to up their game to uh, you know sharpen their skills what sort of advice do you give players who have some tenure with the game but are trying to kind of step things up uh play different factions um Infinity is a game that really benefits from knowledge of the other factions. So even if you just have to proxy your models, do it, right? Try out Mm -hmm. the factions that give you trouble. Um, If something stumps you in a game, um, play it. 
and that will show you its weaknesses, right? Because everything exactly. <laughs> in Infinity is fragile, right? You know, yep. new players run up against the the TR bot, right, and go, "Oh my gosh, TR bot is so good! How could I ever beat that thing?" Right? But at high level play, you don't even really see them anymore because they're really easy to counter. It's just learning what can be done against those threats, uh, unless you're talking about guided missiles, which are bullshit. Because, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there is no counter. Um, but just about everything in Infinity has a way to counter it. So learning what all of those ways are uh, is the way to to get around them and to learn how to deal with them. And the best way to learn what those weaknesses are is to play them and have other people use those mm -hmm. weaknesses against you. Yeah, definitely the fastest way to see how something can be stopped. <laughs> like, you know, they used an impersonator and it decimated my entire core team and, you know, wrecked right. my back line. And then I took it and it exploded the first order. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yep. impersonators are a great example of that because it really mm -hmm. takes a lot of practice to use them effectively. And you don't really Absolutely. see that when somebody just annihilates you with them, right? You don't see that yeah. until you right. have to try and do it yourself. Yeah, I definitely agree with that kind of initial perception. And I think that's one of the hurdles for getting into Infinity is that at first glance, every thing is overpowered. Right. You know, the first time you run into a TR bot, the first time you get hit with an airborne trooper, the first time you run into a tag, you know, all of these things like feel insurmountable on the first attempt or two, in some cases even more. But uh, yeah, trying to find those weaknesses can be tricky for players that are getting into the game, I think. And it takes a certain amount of perseverance to get over that hump and definitely stick with the game. And Infinity being so rules-heavy as it is, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it makes it a, a pretty high learning curve. But for the newer players, I want to say that one of the best things about Infinity is that the rules are so complex that even the best players in the world, and I play with a lot of them on a regular basis, get rules wrong all the time. Yeah. Which means <laughs> that that's a good thing, in my opinion, because it means that people who are arrogant and angry and will tell you that you're wrong don't exist in infinity because they don't last very long right because mm -hmm. as soon as a person who just can't be wrong starts to play infinity and they realize that they're going to be wrong a lot they quit playing infinity so we don't have to play with those people yeah <laughs> so <laughs> uh, i think it, it makes the the community as a whole better so appreciate the fact that um, people get the rules wrong mm -hmm. all the time because it's good for the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think you know, that is kind of the the other side of that coin, right? Is that barrier to entry means that typically the people that play Infinity are playing because they really love the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it is a really well-balanced game. And when you mm -hmm. figure out, you know, the way the rules work, it all makes sense. And even if you can't remember how it works, once you look it up and realize, oh, crap, I did that wrong, right? Well, now mm -hmm. you know. And, and hopefully you make fewer fewer mistakes the next time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you mentioned in terms of getting ready for SLS, um, you know, you kind of divided up the missions in terms of kind of broad strokes of what needed to be accomplished, like what sort of tools were going to be required to complete a set of missions. Um, you know, in this case, it was kind of a two, two and one split. And obviously, you only have two lists. And so one in this case countermeasures kind of got you know 
whichever one happened to work better. Uh, how often would you say you run into events where the split might even be a little bit more granular than that? Where, okay, the the ask, the tools that you need for a mission may be even more diverse than two lists like normally allow. How do you break down those missions where it feels like the tools are going to be significantly different from uh, across the spread of uh, spread of missions? So, I mean, I think happens all the time but um it it really depends on what sorts uh like what your categories are for breaking things down like i tend to think of the categories that you need in missions as things like i need specialists to do stuff in the midfield right so for instance supplies specialists have to open the boxes in the midfield for um called for firefight it's the same the specialists have to get you know something out of the panoplies in the middle it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be a specialist but they do that right uh sure. and that's not as important in firefight as it is in supplies but it's still an aspect of that of that mission whereas in for instance uh unmasking those specialists have to push the buttons in the middle and it's essential right Mm-hmm. In mind wipe, those specialists have to push a button in the middle, but once it's done, they don't have to push any more buttons in the middle. So you really only need the one guy to do the one thing the one time. So it's an essential part, but it's not like super key. So I sort of take that piece, specialists have to do thing in the middle or have to push a button in the middle um, and rank it as far as how important that is, right? Um and then I try and take the rest of the mission, right? Like, let's say capture and protect, right? Well, no, let's go with unmasking. So unmasking, the specialists have to push the buttons in the middle. You have to have multiple buttons pressed, and the buttons have to stay pressed for you. So having the specialists in the middle pushing the buttons is an important part of the game. Mm-hmm. But then another important part of the game is you have to protect something, right? So lots of missions have you have to protect something. Firefight decapitation, you have to protect the lieutenant. Capture and protect, you have to protect the console. Um, unmasking, you have to protect your HVT. So choosing models to protect something is important, right? Now you can choose things like a liberto with a mine layer to protect a guy in the middle, right? That's a good choice for protecting an HVT not necessarily such a good choice for protecting your lieutenant because your lieutenant's probably going to be way in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, but something like Atalanta is a great piece for protecting stuff. You're going to have to deal with her no matter where you are on the field as long as she's positioned in a place to protect your thing. Now, she's also a super expensive piece, so mm-hmm. she's not necessarily as good in a mission like Firefight where one of the big things is you have to keep enough points alive at the end of the game, right? Right. Yeah, definitely so a big opportunity cost. Exactly. In firefight and decapitation, that's another one of the big chunks, right? The big, you know, goals of the game: keep stuff alive. So, you know, you for that you need resiliency, which is how I mark it in my uh, in my pre-tournament. Uh, planning notes right my resiliency Mm -hmm. factor of these lists is what sort of things am i going to be sure that i can have alive at the end of the game and things that you know build into that aspect are you know not only tough models like hector is really hard to kill but also things like well i have 
Machion, who's a doctor who can get up Atalanta if she happens to go down, right? Mm-hmm. So adding in a three-point spot for Machion is a value add to my resiliency factor because it makes it more likely that I can get my Atalanta back up. Likewise, having a uh, a proxy engineer with a bot uh, gives me a value add to the resiliency of my Daikini sniper and my Daikini HMG, who are almost certainly going to go down at some point. But yep. with the extra <laughs> level of unconsciousness, having an engineer with a pal bot means there's a really good chance I get them back up again. Yeah, yeah, they're real sticky. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I just talked a lot. I'm not sure if I if that was coherent at all, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hope think... that answered the the question about how I group things. Like I try and keep the, the groups broad enough that they meet lots of different missions, um, mm-hmm. as, as far as aspects of those missions. And then when the the missions themselves don't have enough of the same aspects, it can get really difficult to just choose one or two lists. Yeah, and one of the things that I like about vanilla Aleph in particular, or, well, any flavor of Aleph, really, is that they're very dense in terms of the skills and options available. So you have specialists that are competent gunfighters. You have things that can operate on their own very easily. Like, you can cover your bases uh, for missions very easily with some of the choices that they have available. Like, um, you know, one of the things that come to mind in uh, like OSS is that an Astura hacker and Parvati accomplish, I want to say 17 or 18 classifieds between the two of them. Yeah. Like Pandora is wild. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know. I wish she counted as a paramedic so badly. Oh, right. (laughs) But she can still do, you know, all of the hacking and all of the targeting ones. And she's a character, so she can do all the veteran ones. Yeah, yeah, she can get experimental drug, but she uh, she just can't, can't do the, doctor, the HVT one. The HVT one. Inoculation, that's what it is. Couldn't think of the name. But yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's a really significant strength of Alif. And so... Kind of going back to the top of the episode a little bit, you mentioned you were kind of debating between Vanilla and Phalanx. Mm-hmm. Based on your results at SLS, uh, has that kind of, and if you don't want to show your hand, you know, in case, just in case, <laughs> well, that's fine too. But has I that honestly uh, don't know affected yet. your I'm, I mean, I'm taking um, Steel Phalanx to uh, the Rust Belt Ruckus next weekend. So we'll see how that goes before mm-hmm. you know I make a final decision. It it really comes down to what I think will be more flexible for the mission set, and mm-hmm. um, vanilla Aleph is definitely more flexible, right? But sure. um, uh, but Interplanetario has um, uh, Biotechvor, <laughs> so, mm. so having fire teams is really important. <laughs> It helps uh, a lot, right? <laughs> especially especially with how you can construct phalanx fire teams. Like you can put exactly. almost everything in one if you need to. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and I mean, frontline and frostbite are both you know keep people alive missions, and being able to to keep uteros in a fire team is a great idea because he's not impetuous anymore, and he can actually work almost as well as Achilles. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. try it out. Um, I'm gonna try it out at um, 
uh, at uh, Ruckus this weekend coming up and see how that goes. And uh, I don't know, maybe if I win that one, I just won't, I won't be able to decide because (laughs) both done really well for me. Uh, But, you know, maybe I'll get slaughtered and and I'll be like, oh man, screw that steel phalanx thing. I'm just, I'm going back to my vanilla. I wish I had more Dakini. (laughs) Yeah, I know the Dakinis are so good. (laughs) They are solid. Exactly, right. I'm going to really miss the Dakinis next weekend. The Dakinis and Mm -hmm. the proxies, having that 13 point engineer is really going to hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And so I seem to remember, historically, you've been a vanilla combined army player, at least for the last several years, right? Well, or longer even. So the earlier part of this season and most of the end of last season, I've been I played um, Hawk Islam uh, mm-hmm. specifically. Mm, okay. I play every mm-hmm. faction, so you can't really say right. I'm a specific <laughs> player but i do really have a place in my heart for um vanilla combined and um i i think before um the new assassins i was um yeah i was playing a lot of vanilla combined um then everybody started playing an avatar and i was like i don't want to play avatars they're playing um uh and i you know and uh assassins got um McMurrow and got really good and McMurrow's my favorite my favorite model so I had to play that for a while it was great uh, I really loved uh, assassins um oh let me talk about McMurrow oh, I love McMurrow um but um, <laughs> I mean yeah you you wrecked me pretty good with uh with your assassins last year <laughs> yeah I really love the way assassins work right now they are a beautiful perfectly designed faction that does exactly what it's supposed to do it is asymmetric warfare at its finest mm-hmm. uh and if if i may there let me give a little plug to the nova open coming up on labor day weekend oh, yeah. up here in mm-hmm. the, the dmv area um we're running a special event where four of um four of the best players that we have in the area are each uh, sponsoring a dojo um okay. uh, based around you know either wind water air and fire and uh, i'm i am representing water the way of water the flexibility and um, asymmetrical warfare of water uh, and i will build my list probably uh, once we pick a pick a mission to run the it's only a one mission event and each okay. dojo will build its own list uh, and then we will propose our methodology for fighting this mission uh, with our with our list and why it's the best and then people will choose dojos and the, the dojos will fight and whichever dojo comes out on top wins very uh, so cool you should come to nova fight for the sounds like a water. blast <laughs> it will be awesome. nice so are uh each of those dojos t- uh those are alternate takes on the same mission like all four are playing the same all, mission right yep. we're all playing the gotcha. same mission uh-huh. uh and we'll all be playing we'll all write our list and then all mm-hmm. of the people in our dojo will play our list Okay, gotcha. That's nice. Nice. Proxy, like you know, everything will be proxy, but it's just going to be one, yeah. you know, one mission, so it should be cool. relatively easy. Well, then, um, kind of circling back to showdown, uh, was there any kind of standout moments in your games? Uh, did you want to give kind of an overview of uh, of your of the missions and how oh, you gosh. did? Um, well. <laughs> I, I think I've already mentioned that I have a terrible time remembering yeah. <laughs> what happened in my mission, so it all kind of blurs together. Uh, yeah. I think my brain overheats and just everything sort of 
mixes, uh, but mm-hmm. I do remember that Atalanta was a superstar. And like, I have never played Atalanta before this tournament. Okay. Um, I mean, not for since you know, way back in the day, right? Um, sure. Because I always looked at her and I thought she's forty-four points. She's so fragile for forty-four points. It's crazy. Why would anybody play her? Um, but then you know, I. They decided what the heck I'm trying out lots of different things. I want to make sure that I've got the breadth of experience and some really good players have, have used her in, in lists at tournaments and done very well with her. So I'm like, what the heck I'll try her. And I ended yeah. up using her in four out of the five missions and she was a superstar. Um, I think she only went down once. Um, and it was to a Naga with a combi rifle, uh, which was very <laughs> sad. <laughs> but you know, right. she got walked up on and shot in the face, and that's what happens when you shoot Atalanta in the face and she dies. So, you know, reasonable. Yeah. But um yeah, she worked really mm-hmm. well and I was really pleased with how well she worked. And Uteros is another one that I kind of slept on. And um and he worked really well for me too. And I think that uh in the past, like I, I think I tried him before and he didn't work out very well. Um but I think that the reason that I didn't use him correctly in the past was because I use him the way most people play McMurrow. Um, and this time I used him the way I play McMurrow now, which is I pretend that he's only armor one and is only one wound. And if I pretend mm-hmm. that he's only armor one and only one wound, he kills everything. Um, <laughs> because he's not armor one <laughs> with only right? one right? <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah being I, conservative generally. Yeah, exactly. Play play with him and only take the actual the smart um, the smart firefights where I've got the numerical advantage. Try not to mm-hmm. rely on having armor because he doesn't get cover, right? Um, yeah. Basically, playing smart with him instead of just running him across into the open because he doesn't get cover. So right. who cares, right? Yeah, definitely. Kind of the like you said, McMurrow. I feel like is often played, and most dog warriors uh, are kind of played in that general style. Like See, I don't but, play him like that. I I wait until mm-hmm. second turn at least. You know, I I leave yep. him in the back to throw smoke for the MSV units, and then um, Eclipse. in turn two, when all the really heavy gunfighters or the TR bots or whatever are dead, then he runs across the table, gets in the back line, and kills everything. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's gotten quite a bump uh in the blackwind update like becoming a specialist because i don't believe he was a specialist operative before off the top of my head no no no, uh eudoros i don't remember him one but he might have been i didn't really play him before so i really couldn't Mm -hmm. tell you he picked up yeah uh, he picked up nco really good yeah nco makes him excellent it's basically it's not as good as um uh, but it is it nearly so if you're not using yeah. you know Hector as your lieutenant um, mm-hmm. because you know, if you don't want to run Machion around and if he's your lieutenant you know then having that extra order on Uteros is definitely worthwhile because you're definitely going to use it on him. So absolutely, yeah, he worked really well. And, I'm looking forward to trying him in a fire team. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's he's very powerful. I like Uteros quite a bit, and he only got better because he's a good. He's a good point man in general. Like I've played him in Myrmidon teams before the update, and he's awesome and is a, a great alternative to like a Myrmidon Spitfire if you want some added resilience. And now, you know, he's faster. Ackman has Tack Aware and is an easy slot with him to, to patch him up now that he's structure. 
And I'll tell you, but that's yeah. what I'm planning on doing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think that he's he's a great pick right now. And then you bring Pandora to shoot mm-hmm. Akmon if he goes down. Right. And you've got your three-man yeah. team with the, all the specialists, mm-hmm. and you can do all the you've button got, pushing. And... You've got multi-burst eclipse at that point with uh, with Eudora, so like it's a lot of maneuverability, and that's one of the strengths of Steel Phalanx in my mind is that they can choose what engagements they take by and large, which yeah, is they can have just smoke huge. or eclipse, whatever they want. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I really like Toha, right? It's because Toha sure. was really good at only taking engagements that they really wanted to take because they mm. could eclipse anywhere they wanted. Um, yeah, and Steel Phalanx shares that. Actually, I mean. Vanilla in general, as long as you're taking those models, mm-hmm. um, shares that strength, which I think is really good. Yeah, absolutely. Goes yeah. back to that decision making. You know, if you only have good decisions, then you make good decisions, right? If you only have bad right. decisions, you're not going to be able to make any good decisions. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you know, that, and that makes total sense. Like if you have, if you have the tools available, you get those options, but you know, if you were either in a faction that's more limited on that front, like uh, in terms of obfuscation tools, like let's say, um, like Onyx comes to mind. They have no smoke, no eclipse, but they do have white noise on one or two models. I think for now, and think. something else, May- or maybe just him. But well, they've got some yeah. Albedo. Oh yeah, yeah, like on the Overdrawn. But yeah, so it's like okay you don't have that option. So you need to find another solution. And in a lot of times that's either hope you can cautious move or you have to fight your way out. And yeah. Phalanx doesn't have to worry about that. They can fight their way out if they need to, because they leverage visibility mods so heavily, but mm-hmm. they can just as easily ignore it entirely and not have to take the chance, which I think is, is really good for them. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, uh, in fact, one of the things that I like about Aleph and Steel Phalanx in particular, and when I say you know Aleph, keep in mind that the models that I'm planning to use feature the Steel Phalanx characters heavily, right? Which is mm-hmm. why I'm baiting between Steel Phalanx and um, and Vanilla Aleph. One of the reasons is because. Um, the visibility mods, like you were talking mm-hmm. about, the uh, the opportunity to have Eclipse Smoke and regular Smoke, uh, and the fact that they can all fight in CC, right? I really yeah. like the, the benefit of my majority of my characters not being vulnerable to just being speculoed, right? Right. Having yeah. a lieutenant that just happens to be really good at killing anything that touches it is is a real benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in Infinity, and it's it's hard to find in a lot of factions. Yeah, absolutely. So, kind of on that note, what are the things that uh, you've mentioned the Takini, of course? But what other things have you been seeing in Vanilla that have kind of caught your? Oh, and you mentioned posthumans. Uh, have there been any other profiles in Vanilla that have kind of been pulling you that direction as opposed to going pure Phalanx? Definitely. So, the Danavis Hacker is a superstar. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. I start all of my lists with a Danavis hacker because it's mm-hmm. 22 points with a hacking device plus a whip 15 with a pitcher and a plus one burst oblivion. It's just amazing. With the prevalence, Baby jazz. Of, yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> um, prevalence of guided in everywhere. 
um, having some sort of defensive hacking capability is almost mandatory. Um, mm-hmm. And the Danavis can really get it done. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of hacking game because <laughs> hacking is not really a part of the game that I enjoy um, mm-hmm. utilizing. I mean, it can be useful, um, and it's a tool, um, but I don't like fighting with hacking. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it adds enough benefit for uh, for how much it costs and for how much um, the opportunity cost of spending the orders to get things done, right? Sure. Um, but just having a Danavis in my list lets me ensure that um, I can't just be hacked to death or, or taken mm-hmm. out by hacking uh, unilaterally. Um, also, the... Where is it? I will say, uh, before you grab your next profile, that Scylla is a really good alternative in that regard. Yeah, but she's really expensive. Um, I mean, she's she is like six more points, which is not inconsiderable, but she does actually take, get Trinity. If you just take Scylla herself, yes. Mm-hmm. But she's whip 13 instead of 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no reason to take Scylla without the Deva bots because they're what make her good, right? Like being able to run her up the board and run Deva bot. Like I love peripheral bots, right? Like they're sure. sync, G synced, whatever they're called. The ones that move with you. I love those yeah. things. They're super good, but like, I can't take Scylla without taking two of those. It just hurts my soul. Um, Fair enough. And by the time you're taking two of those, she's like 40-something points, which is double the cost that I pay for the Danavis. That's so, fair. Yes, I can agree with she that. is good, but um, it's a different role. Like, I would take Scylla mm-hmm. as an offensive hacker, somebody that I'm going to run across the board to get things done. Like, if I were playing Mindwipe, I would consider taking Scylla um, as my Uber hacker to run her across mm-hmm. the board with the extra order, use my Deva bots to clear the way by flaming stuff, um, and deliver her her skills. Um, as a defensive hacker, something that I just want to put in the back next to my lieutenant to prevent him from getting a missile in his face, I think mm-hmm. the Danavis works great. Two yeah, extra, I think that the... Yeah, the two extra whip, um, having BTS-3 is still enough. Um, mm-hmm. She's just solid all around. Yeah. Um, one thing that may come up, uh, I don't know if you're, it sounds like you might not be bringing her in your failings list. She can't take two bots anymore, unfortunately, which makes me a little bit sad. She's limited to one bot, but she picked up ECM hacking minus three, and she's got Trinity plus two burst on either a standard or an Evo hacker, which I think the standard hacker is likely to be the default choice. Though the Evo hacker is kind of interesting. But I think well, the Evo the- hacker is useful in a couple of those missions where they get an extra order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that in those, it's kind of a no-brainer, but I think that the hacking device is generally going to be the go-to, just because the Evo has a little bit, is less commonly utilized in Phalanx than it might be in other factions. Not to say it doesn't have a place, but I feel like it's, you're not typically bringing enough of the things that care about Evo hackers, but you can. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it looks like, yeah, only one Trinity plus two damage... Uh, one Cherubus Devabot and a boarding shotgun. And she's got a pitcher now, which I don't remember if she had a pitcher before. Yeah, she does have uh, a pitch, pitcher, yeah. And she's BS12 over the Denavis. So, I mean, neither yeah, here nor there, I suppose. Much more but, of an active go out and get things done sort of yeah. piece. So, Absolutely. Yeah, not, not necessarily a bad option. Um, I think if I were to make a trade, 
I would rather have Pandora. Um, mm-hmm. you know, she's with 14 instead of, um, 14 instead of 15. So not quite as good. Uh, yeah. but two wounds. Well, or you know, one in close. No wound in cap. <laughs> Pseudo two wounds. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't have shock immunity, so I guess it's one and a half wounds for reals. Yeah. But, but that dodge minus six works against um, guided weapon fire, so... Yeah. I have a problem with guided missiles. <laughs> I can tell, yeah. It, it comes up sometimes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, actually, I guess that's kind of an interesting point. Is uh, Was that something that you saw a lot of at SLS in particular? Well, no, not really. I think I got one thing missiled at SLS. Um... The mm-hmm. the problem that I have with guided so the the only issues that I have with infinity are in the feel bad mechanics right the things that mm-hmm. are not necessarily like overpowered or because I don't really think mm-hmm. anything's overpowered even guided missiles aren't really overpowered because it takes a lot of resources mm-hmm. to do them it's just there's I no agree. counterplay there's no interaction with it there's nothing that you can do to really counter it um I played in the um, the mm-hmm. online um, uh, satellite tournament the um mm-hmm. the the igl uh satellite right. and um the, the one game that i didn't win which is why i came in second um my opponent walked bit and kiss uh across a walkway and i shot her with my arrow pieces and she died but before she died she put down two out of three pitchers right yeah nothing i could do about it he used his anathematic hacker coming out of surprise attack to spotlight um, the the rock hot that was holding my core together, uh, my mm-hmm. unknown ranger, and my um, uh, Finn first strike, Caden first strike. Oh, right? Caden, yeah. And just blew him away before I could even go, right? So that's three of sure. my key units that I, you know, that I need to run my army dead with nothing I can do. Because, yeah, sure, I can dodge at negative three. You know, my rock hod's dodging on 10 before the negative 3. Yeah, like, he's going to make that. And then, you know, my I think my unknown ranger made one dodge and then took the second <laughs> missile to the face, right? Sure. So it was it's, – it's just a really frustrating um, mechanic because there's nothing you can really sure. do about it. And I didn't lose that game. I managed to, to eke out a tie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not – whether that mechanic causes a win or a loss that matters. Mm-hmm. What matters is that I felt like I was helpless against right. that happening to me. And there's nothing I can do about it. So, so that, that's why I think that it should be changed. So I'm kind of curious on that note uh, to hear your thoughts on this is that in, in my opinion, I feel like that guided doesn't have counterplay at the point in which it's happening but it has mm-hmm. counterplay before that. So by that, just talking about uh, if you have layered a deployment or if you have, um, you know, you have some distance between you and say the next wall or building in front of you, if you have, um, you know, arrow pieces that can work on things that are coming towards you. I know you said in your specific example with bit and kiss, it was, you know, unopposed shots and yeah, you dropped her, but the damage was done. Mm-hmm. Um, or applying pressure to, uh, let's say you're going back to Hassassin's. Okay, well, sure, I'll have a fide next to your guided bot or what have you. So sure, I feel like there's, first, but, you know, if you don't have first turn, the fide is not going to be able to kill the guided bot before it does its work. I mean, if it, well, I mean, it will get a shot off, but likely you'll 
you know, you'll template it. Oh, I suppose you mean something you in arrow. arrow. Yeah, I mean, if you're using a fidei in your opponent's deployment zone and you're not going first, it's going to die because mm -hmm. a fidei lasts for three orders before it's dead. Sure. Um, <laughs> and that's just an example. There are definitely strategic um, counter counters that some factions have, right? Mm -hmm. I was playing Cosmoflot, which doesn't have the best hacking game. Um, okay. But as I said, that's one of the reasons that I bring the Danavis hacker, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, mm -hmm. it is a reason that I would bring, um, what's her name, Pandora, Pandora. instead of Scylla, right? Because Pandora has the negative six dodge in addition to the... Um, zero pain, which just says yeah. no, your your spotlight doesn't work on me. I have a burst two to prevent it from happening. Right? Sure. There are there are strategic things that you can do about it um, when building your list and when deploying mm -hmm. your army, but there are not tactical things you can do about it to counter it in a tactical manner. And as I said earlier, that's where I feel Infinity's mm -hmm. real strength is is mm -hmm. in its tactical decision making. And if you're not making decisions mm -hmm. on a tactical level, What's the point? And that's what guided Fair does. It, it removes the opportunity to make decisions from the person who's being hit by them. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, sometimes it's a, definitely a valid tactic. I've used mm -hmm. it in the past to, to panic room, right? I mean, or uh, sure. the armory, right? Yeah. Where everybody has to be clumped together. Yep. It makes sense. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's the only way to go after a, uh, a lieutenant who's yeah. you know, hiding in a room in the back of a building. Right, valid mm -hmm. tactic. Um, uh, my difficulty is that there's just nothing you can do about it. Uh, I would propose a um, spotlight needs a BTS save. Everything else has one. I don't see a, a mm -hmm. reason why spotlight shouldn't get one. Uh, and B, um, a reset should be face to face with a guided missile coming in. That way, if the reset is successful, uh, it's mm -hmm. no longer targeted. If it's not successful, he's hit by a missile and he's probably dead anyways. Either way, there's a role. There's something you mm -hmm. can do about it, right? Sure. You know, as it is, you can reset and not be, not be, you know, spotlit anymore. But then you're hit in the face with a missile, right? And then you're dead anyway. So there's no mm -hmm. real decision there. Yeah, I, as personally, I'd like to see a little bit more counterplay with guided, but not against spotlight specifically, because I like the idea of spotlight being a utility option that can help you level firefights uh, against against enemies, considering you're spending orders that don't actually get rid of something and don't go towards an objective directly. Um, but something like well, EC, uh, bring back you using being you yeah, exactly. If you're using spotlight aggressively, absolutely, right? If you're spending an order to get yourself a plus three mm -hmm. on a later roll, sure. But spotlight's an ARO now, and I don't know anybody who sure. spotlight's an active turn. It just set up a, a hacking network so that when getting to mm -hmm. your opponent, you you have to walk through their uh, through their ha uh, hacker network and get sure. spotlight just peripherally while you're trying to do other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's just like I don't necessarily think that it's overpowered. Um, but the fact that it can be applied on every other order when you're in mm -hmm. the, the hacking zone, like you can't really do anything in somebody's hacking zone without also getting spotlit in addition to whatever the result of the face-to-face -face role you've instigated is. Um, it sure. just seems like having a save is the infinity mechanic that should be happening. Sure. And it just feels weird that it's not, right? Yeah, um, I agree that it 
is a little awkward. The only the only hesitation I have with that particular change, like I think the reset being able to oppose the the missile shot, I think is interesting. But I feel like guided is kind of a check and balance against targets you can't gunfight or objectives you can't reach in terms of killing objectives. And sure. so let's say you have a a Yodam or an Avatar or a Salamandra or a Marut that has BTS-9, like, okay, you're not going to spotlight them. And against those targets, like, if you can't take semi-advantageous gunfights against them and this is your alternate plan, then that's that's kind of off the table against targets that I feel like Guided's almost designed to help you take out. I mean, sure, Guided can work on anything, but I feel like it's against those heaviest of targets that you just can't go toe-to-toe with, and then this is kind of your underdog, you know, sucker punch to try and get rid of them. The the point of having an avatar, right, is you're spending, you know, 137 or 127 or however many points it costs, right, Mm -hmm. in order for it to have the advantage on every interaction, right? Mm -hmm. And if there's a way to get an interaction against it where it doesn't have that advantage, then you're kind of cheating it on its points because that's why you spent 127 points on it, right? So that it would have, I mean, it's only one model. It provides you three orders, but that's still only three orders for literally a third of your list. Should there really be some way to, oh, four, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but should there really be some way to cheat it out of its advantage on every role or ever on every interaction, unless you're fighting something, you know, appropriately point costed? Yeah. So I would say, that I said, would I'm say scared yes. of guided. A, I'm not scared of avatars. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> so in a general circumstance, I would say, without any context, I'd say sometimes. Right, because the thing is, is that there's going to be things that are natural predators to other things, like not quite a rock paper scissors sort of thing, but it's like saying sure, that sure. you know Counters. I have, you know, I'm cheating points out of MSV two models because my model has Eclipse. Mm-hmm. Like Emma, I'm cheating it out of those interactions. So I think, or because I'm hitting it with Oblivion, and so your BTS is only five instead of nine on the avatar. Uh, you know, things like that. And I think the avatar does have a little bit because, you know, most tags have the ECM minus six guided. And then it's also reasonably likely to pass saves, even at half armor, not all of them, but some of them. So you're likely to take several missiles before you go down or just reset out of it. Cause your whip, uh, 14 after the penalty to reset. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't actually consider guided a valid option against an avatar anyways, but like yeah. uh, my option against an avatar would be to sneak up using eclipse and then CC it to death. But right, um, or hit it with oblivion because oblivion mm-hmm. not only cuts the BTS in half, but it also mm-hmm. um, destroys its ability to you know to jump to another body, right? So oblivion right. really is the avatar killer, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, last game honestly, with an avatar <laughs> that was that was my go-to as well with the Denavis actually <laughs> with the yeah, extraverse. Right there, you go, uh, yep. good old Denavis. <laughs> um, but I'm not really, you know, a, a Dan- seeing an avatar on the table isn't something that goes, oh man, an avatar, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't do. I, that's not the reaction that an avatar gets from me. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. you've got an avatar. Hmm, how am I going to solve this problem, right? That's, you know, when I see guided on the other side, I'm like, oh, you've got guided. Oh, I hope you use it as an arrow piece and not as a, as a 
primary tactic in your army, right? Because <laughs> um, I don't right. really mind, you know, seeing it. It doesn't really bother me when I see somebody with a guided missile launcher because, you know, lots of people bring them. I'm not, I've brought them uh, in my lists mm -hmm. in the past before, right? It's a tool to have. Um, exactly. What bothers me is that when it's somebody's primary goal is to set up a hacking network yeah. and guided missile all your guys to death because this is not a fun game. Right. And it's not yeah. necessarily, you know, a win button. You know, I, I've had people use guided mm -hmm. missiles against me as their primary form of attack and not win. Um, it's just not fun. So, you know, I, I and I think when things aren't fun, the uh, the game should, you know, be fixed or reflects it so that it, it becomes sure. fun. So there's got to yeah. be a way to do it. Right. There's got to be a way to make it Agreed. fun and cool like the rest of Infinity mm -hmm. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah, that's kind of a, a thing with um guided as an interaction. It's it's just less interactive. Um but other than that, um do you have any reflections on the event uh before we move into our final thoughts? Um jeez, what were some of the cool things? I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh. Um when my opponent in the very first game brought his Bashi bazooka around the corner to shoot my Hector with his boarding shotgun and got shot in the face by my Bashi Bazook's shotgun instead because it was my Bashi instead of my Hector. That was awesome. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> um, but no, I can't... Um, yeah, because when I, when I placed Hector, I, I held back another Hector and I placed him... I think I think pretty sure I held him back that time. But uh, I used my Bashi as a second Hector so he didn't know which Hector was the real one. Nice. Um, and it ended up working because he brought his washi on the wrong side. And I mean, he still came in the other way, I think, to try and get him. I mean, I don't remember. That was the first game, too. That was so long ago. It was like <laughs> right. a whole week. Right? <laughs> I'm so Yeah, old. I totally I don't know feel how I it. remember all these rules. <laughs> <laughs> or at least most of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, right, right. I know the feeling. There's always something, especially, you know, with changes happening. Yep. But, um, but yeah, but before we transition over to our final thoughts, I uh, just want to give a shout out to our patrons. So thank you all very much for continuing to support the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Everything that you contribute goes back into the show. We don't take anything out of pocket or anything like that. Uh, it's all for show-related projects or equipment or uh, things like that. So thank you very much for doing so. Uh, if you aren't a patron and are interested in doing so, uh, you can find us on patreon.com slash metachemistry, and we give some benefits for that. Uh, some of, You'll get uh, early access to our episodes. You'll also have some patron-exclusive channels on our Discord and things like that. And as far as Discord goes, uh, the rest of Discord is freely open. Uh, we'd love to have you. It's a great place to talk infinity uh, and... That's also where we do our monthly raffle, just for being a part of that channel. So, yeah, if you want to talk about hobbying or uh, games or you want to prod Rob about his lists, uh, you know, you can feel free to come on a Discord and, you know, we'll be around for those sorts of discussions. So, uh, with that said, uh, Ian, uh, Rob, any final thoughts on Salt Lake Showdown and, uh, in particular, you know, taking the taking the win on that event or any last minute questions you have. Uh, Ian, why don't you start? 
I was saying that um, I think Salt Lake Showdown is just one of the, the best Infinity events going. Uh, I've been to a few of these, and I just gotta say that you know Salt Lake Showdown and the, the Utah crew out there, they just put on a, a great event that's a ton of fun, and I mean, whether you're coming in first or last, I don't think really anybody has a bad time at these events. So, if you ever get a chance to make it out, uh, I encourage you to do so, because it is just a blast of a time. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great event, and I had a lot of fun. I'm glad I was able to make it this year. Uh, and yeah, and Rob, any any last comments or thoughts or, you know... Any last-minute epiphanies to share? <laughs> um, I mean, nothing springs to mind. Uh, I mean, you guys are right. The Salt Lake Showdown is really a great event. Um, it's really far for me to come um, from the East Coast, and it's an awkward set of flights to get there. Um, but I make the effort because it is so worth the, the travel to get to Salt Lake those guys really put on a great a great event it was super well organized um there was a lot of camaraderie um the the friendly atmosphere uh around the tables was is just stellar uh and i really appreciate all the work they put into it um this is definitely if you can make it out to salt lake um you know do it 100 percent. definitely well, yeah. Well, thank you again, Rob, for taking the time. It's greatly appreciated. We're glad you were able to make it. And thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so with that, uh, I've been Devin. Ian. And Rob. And that's the meta. <laughs>